Welcome, 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 and we're back, and thanks to my lack of immune system, it's a Tuesday. Uh, welcome to the show that comes to you once every week, bringing you the Hollywood, uh, the Hollywood week. we got to start that over. We cut, recap the Hollywood week that was. Mm-hmm. We get you ready for the Hollywood week to come. Uh, this is the type of episode it's going to be on my end, because I am not here. I'm recovering from a bastard sickness, but uh, this is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. Hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is the healthy co-host, also Mike. This is also Mike here. Uh, you've been through the ringer the last few weeks, but certainly the last week yeah. with the NFL Draft, Avengers Endgame Life's did a number. taking one by one. It's been taken out of me. And, of course, you know, you choose to watch one episode of Game of Thrones. Because <laughs> you watched the first season. And then you, I did. And then you stopped watching the show, show for some reason. You watched the first season. The end of the first season was kind of like this, very bittersweet. Like the, the second to last episode, a te- terrible tragedy. And then the last episode, you know, if, if, if that's, you know, what you like, is something that's pretty cool. But you're not a fantasy guy. So no. So, and that's why I couldn't get into it. And that's why I, like, I tried three separate times. And those to, are fantasy goods at very, the end of episode very much. one. So I wasn't, I, I'm not crazy about it. I get, well, let, let's get the theme song out. We'll start with what we're watching here. It's what we're watching. <laughs> and basically this is turning into a glorified, The re, part of the reason, and I guess a good reason that we're doing this on a Tuesday is that we can include actual, on, a timely recap of the Game of Thrones sure. episode. It's one, it's probably the biggest one of the series. Perhaps. I would say there's a couple bigger, but okay. it definitely goes back to the well of what they're known for. So okay. I'm going to get into that in a minute. I just want to rip through yeah. a few other titles. I watched Conan Without Borders Australia. This is on TBS. So is he just going to different places in yeah. the show? He's is that what it is? Best job. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just the best job. That's amazing. So he, he, he records all these one episode specials where it's like a Conan travel show. Lauren Michaels handpicked him from the SNL writers room to host that show. Yes. On late, the late, late, uh, for late, late show, whatever. Yes. Yeah. And then ever since. He's been, Ever since yeah. he's been, and he is my preferred late night talk show host. It's been since college. Yeah, he came on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. He, like they rebroadcast yep. the shows midday. So we have a guest coming on our show. Yes. We think, we hope, we we're all, we should. We booked. Yeah, we, we, he's um, there. Yeah, we, we just we just we we always take the hesitant route because we just never know. You so know, life gets in the right. Way. So I'm not going to say who it is yet, but it, he is from the Conan show, and yes. we're very very excited about this. So. We'll see if it falls, uh, but we won't call him out. Not yet. Stay tuned for our Avengers review. Uh, we're reviewing it with Conan O'Brien. Did I say that? No, no <laughs> not with Conan, but someone from his show. Yeah. Speaking of guests of ours, Chris Reinecker did that. I've never seen Star Wars series episode two, the Empire Strikes Back episode. This was very funny. Yes, it we kind of uh, touched on it uh, in a previous episode, but. Mike, I mean, we had a great interview with Chris. We talked about those Star Wars videos on his YouTube channel yes. and, and much, much more. And he just he knocked that episode out of the park. I think they're coming weekly, so that's fun. I've it's never fun seen series. Star Wars yeah. uh, by Chris Reinecker. Mike, I watched The Perfect Date. This was a laundry movie for this me. Is Noah Centineo. Yes, and he's going to be a star. This kid's going to be a star. He's all right. He's like the, the guy on Tiger Beat, if that's even still in publication. He's like the, the typical face you would see on all those teenage mags. But you have a generation of teenagers who are just in love with him mm-hmm. or love to watch his movies. He's very charismatic. This is a cute movie, and it's a rom-com that, that really works, I thought. It, it has a terrible beginning. Once you get past that, it works. Mike, we've been talking about doing some very fun things with Netflix. 
Netflix movies going forward. We we're gonna use our guess the plot yes. device involved with next Netflix movies. You came up with a great idea in that regard, so stay tuned there. So that's three things I've just watched. Those are three <laughs> ways to promo shameless, shamelessly uh, stuff we've already done. That's smart, you're a company man. The last thing I'm gonna do here is just say the NFL draft consumed me last week. You're, uh, you're too positive to talk to about this. But here's the thing, like, uh, Endgame put us through the ringer a little bit. Game of Thrones put us through the ringer a little bit. I feel about the NFL draft the same way I feel about Game of Thrones. I'm a Giant fan the same way I'm a Got fan. I know I'm going to suffer. I know this has happened from Luke Pettigrew to uh, uh, Justin Pugh mm. to all these first-round draft picks who I've hated in the past, who I've come around to. All right, that's a good player, a solid player. That's terrible. But the Giants did something ridiculous. Oh, you, of course, went apeshit. You lost your mind. So I don't hate the players. I, I just... The players overall were probably a solid B, right? right? I mean, despite what you think about Daniel Jones, he could have, could be great, could not. I don't care. Right. The execution of the draft was an F minus. So I've been thinking about this. You you said that the Giants traded established players, better players, players that would go on to success yes. at other teams for late round draft picks. Then they basically used first round draft picks to replace to those cover players. those holes that they created in the first place. And the the players they drafted, you could only hope become as good as the players they traded away for fourths and fifths anyway. A guy like Josh Allen is there for you at six. People thought he was going to go one, two, or three, the yep. whole lead up. You could have had him at six. You take him at six, then you could trade up from 17 because you trade it up to get back into the first round for your third first round pick anyway. Everybody's about to turn us off, but go ahead. <laughs> well, you took three cornerbacks. You, only, you, you could have gotten away with two. I love DeAndre Baker. I think he might be the best pick we had. Yeah. But you could have traded up and gotten Jones, and I, I hate it. I, I, I don't think Daniel Jones has a high ceiling. That's what I'm frustrated. I think he's going to be a dink and dunk game managing quarterback. So Every, he's going to he's, he's going to infuriate us much like Game of Thrones yeah. did last night. Let me let me let me get through what I what I watched, and then we'll talk about Good. Game of Thrones because I thought I was going to talk about a lot of. Uh, I took a the early part of this week was all about true crime stuff for me. I just ended up going down these rabbit holes of mm-hmm. Jody Arias, this three part ID series mm-hmm. docu series. Casey Anthony went into. I actually saw the movie Sleepers. For the first time, oh, really? Kevin Bacon. Brad was, Pitt? Yeah. yeah, it was really good. I get what they were going for. It could have been great, but it, it yeah. was it was solid enough. Good movie. performances it's a, it's a, yeah, there. Good, really good performances, I, I agree. Uh, and Robert De Niro. <laughs> Just a badass-ass anything. And this one, it was a badass priest. <laughs> our top five episode last week, our top five movie moments, was a huge mistake. Because as I was doing research for that, all I did, instead of researching what I was most excited for, I came up with a list of movies I want to watch now. Nice. Going through the years of stuff that was released. So that's a problem. <laughs> Tim Robinson, I think you should leave on Netflix. Sam Richardson, that, those are the guys that did Detroiters. That mm-hmm. got canceled on the Comedy Central. If you like Detroiters, you are going to lose your... I've watched I Think You Should Leave two separate times through already. It really? is hysterical. It is so <laughs> stupid funny. If you like random comedy, highly, highly recommend. Good. Okay, that's my list. Let's talk about Game of Thrones for the next five or six minutes here. I actually watched it. Props to Film Twitter for hyping me up to, to get me interested in it. Uh, props to you and your love for getting me interested in it. So I decided to watch it. It's the Battle of Winterfell, right? I know it's not the right episode for somebody who's never seen the show to jump back into. All that aside, I thought there was some glaring good and glaring bad with this type of huge episode. Right. You, as a longtime established fan, you have some things you want to pull your hair out about as well. The visibility was terrible. This is a joke, man. As a spectacle that really falls on its face. Now, they're going for, they're sacrificing visibility and spectacle ultimately for the feelings of 
disillusionment. Yes. The feelings of just, we don't know what's happening. This is war. It's a stupid argument. They want you to put you, the viewer, in the place of the people fighting on the battlefield and be that, you know, disconcerted with what's going on and not sure. There's no electricity, I heard, was an argument, too. Uh, for any of you complaining about the lack of visibility for this war that happened in winter at night when there was no electricity, you have a show. Okay, where you have giant winged beasts who breathe sources of lights. And they were able to light up things. You have a witch that turned everyone's sword into a lamp. Right. You have bad guys, skeleton zombies, who are only seen through the ultraviolet light of their eyes. All right? Don't tell me there's not enough light to be seen in these episodes. It it was a bad decision. and and The first 25 minutes were unwatchable. Like, unviewable. Well, uh, let me say this. The the middle, from like minute 10 to minute 30 or minute 25, whatever, is very difficult. And then there's another 5 or 10 minutes in the middle of it that's just total... You know, ridiculousness and total, you don't know what's going on. And that's frustrating. That's infuriating. That's aggravating. That's a lot of participles, Mike. (laughs) We have showrunners. We have a writer. We have uh, characters that have just done this to us for years. Okay, so tell me a little bit about that. So in terms of your frustration with Game of Thrones, what is this akin to previously in the franchise? So we've gotten lucky at the last couple years. We've gotten a lot of fan service. A lot of fan service, a lot of things going right. Now, for me, as a guy who's big into story structure, who's studied it, who's uh, taken part in it. And to see every it, episode of it. I mean, you are every a huge episode, Multiple fan. times. Yeah. I knew something was coming that was going to be infuriating. Every triumph now makes me even more afraid of the tragedy and okay. the tragic arc that's most likely to come. Now... This episode is very bittersweet, and George R. R. Martin says the finale is probably going to be very bittersweet, the finale of the entire series. So I'm expecting that. I think it's it's smart of them to manage our expectations. Otherwise, you're going to fall into an M. Night Shyamalan situation where even if you fool your audience, but you let them down, it just becomes a letdown right. at the end of the, your story. That's a good point. And even if you fool them, even if you surprise them, you let them down at the end of the day, I'll say it again, and that's a problem. This episode they make you suffer and they and I'm surprised because they put a millions tens of millions of dollars into this some of the visuals and some of the scenes are unlike anything I've ever experienced on television and I'm very happy about that when the you know you got dragon battles it's wonderful it you got uh, you got uh, that scene right in the beginning with everything lit up Wonderful. The dragons, and when whenever they're involved in the actual battle, just eye-popping yeah, and phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I'll say, you know, for me, I'm not a, I don't have investment in these characters, obviously. Mm-hmm. I just turned this on for the first... This is literally the first episode of Game of Thrones I've seen since season one. Right. So just turning, hopping back into it, as a non-viewer, a non-fan, uh, I thought the good outweighed the bad. At the end of the day, I agree. I mean, you have some great scenes in this and they they keep you guessing about the fates of all the principal characters that you you kind of lose in the fray and and that's fine and i think that's a device and and you know you think about what this kind of battle is this is a, a very much a horror movie you know a miniature oh, yeah. horror movie so you want black you want surprises you got to take it into a haunted house feel at some point a haunted house horror movie at some point even though i'm like what the hell's happening i know she i know she got waylaid into the part where the battle isn't and it's just her being chased by a few of the straggler bad guys at that right. point and that that freaked me out but i'm like i want to know what's happening in the battle i want the strategy of what's going on here and there and i loved 
I love the uh, a fact of the matter, though. We have inexperienced generals, and you know they're somewhat experienced, but they can't be experienced going against this opponent. So you have people that are gonna make mistakes, and I knew it was coming for you. You know, it's happened in the show plenty of times where they've made terrible mistakes, and that's realistic. And George R. R. Martin talks about, you know, if you have a new general, they're gonna fuck up, hmm. and that happens a lot in this episode right from the start. So I will say that it's extremely aggravating to have two seasons of build-up into one group of people, and then they're basically thrown away for the, in the beginning of this battle. Yeah, I, and that this was, not anything I would, I'm, I would, I'm like, no. oh my God, huh. I can't believe we did that. You, well, you know in the first season, you're dealing with that group of right. people with Daenerys. Yes. That's that's one of the two seasons, and then there's another season where we're basically back with that group. Gotcha. And now we have two seasons just for that visual, mm. which is a hell of a visual. It is. But they're thrown away. That that arc ended there, and I was shocked by that. So uh, dumb move, but the dumbest. You, you did think the good outweighed the bad. Yes, I mean the, the last scene is wonderful. Holy shit! I mean, I, without giving away, obviously, we don't want to. That's a whole different. I have a whole theoretical argument going on on Twitter right now. Why we, as a collective right. mind, think it's okay love that. just to post spoilers about Game of Thrones, but we all were decided we weren't going to do that for Endgame. The thing with Endgame is the critics were seeing it, you know, five days before, sure, or whatever, on Tuesday, most of them, yeah, and then don't spoil the Endgame became a thing, right? For this, this was appointment viewing. It's communal. The whole country and it's watched. available, right. And it's ava- if you didn't watch it, you could watch it immediately after it was on because of streaming and HBO Now and all so that. So Twitter became a place to talk about Right. It. So I, I get that. I had four major gripes about the episode. I don't know if this is normal or whatever, but we talked about the darkness. There was some cinematography that was like unforgivably bad. Like yeah. if you're going to set up a dramatic scene where the Night King turns around slowly in the distance to face off with Jon Snow, your ultra protagonist... Maybe have it so you can see the fucking Night King, and he's not lost in the shuffle of this distant, this far-off shot. Just got a new TV. I watched it twice now. I didn't have a problem with that. You like that? Okay. Here's the thing. By day, it wasn't as good. At night, it was pretty crystal clear. Okay. I I couldn't see it, but that's that's fine. It could be a me problem. The FX, yes, there was some great FX stuff. This is just bad luck in that we had FX graphics that were on, made for television, for this episode that was so graphic-reliant, FX-reliant, that just happened to debut the same weekend as the greatest graphics not in movie good. history. Not, not even right. close. We just all saw Endgame. So, yeah, there, you know, that's what are you going to do? It, it looks like they luck. sunk more money into certain shots oh, and yeah. other shots they're trying to get by. And they're basically banking on the fact that, all right, Guillermo del Toro style, you have a darkness mm. and you have a lot of shadow and all right, we don't have to put all the money into that CG shot right. because it's it should be cloaked or it should be disguised right. enough. I, I and it's excusable. It's television too. You can't compare television to movies, and I get that. It, again, it's just bad luck because it looked great in some other scenes. In terms of storytelling, though, some characters' arcs, uh, you know, came to a conclusion. I, I'm just thrilled with how they handled them. I'm really, really pleased, and it's really satisfying. As many people have talked about Avengers, very satisfying to me. Uh, and, and many of these characters who who found their end in this episode. Were you a fan of the ending taking aside the ridiculousness of the, I guess, itinerary of how it must have gone down? I think uh, it, it fits the MO of the characters, of the characters involved. And it, it makes sense. So I don't have a problem with what happened at the end. I understood the plan going in and they actually executed the plan. It just the plan executed in a different way. And that's, that was fascinating to me. And they all knew what the plan was. They all knew what the plan was. And she was in the room, 
just like the rest of them were in the room when they're coming up with that plan. So, of course, she put herself, you know, the, the hero of this, of this story, put herself into that situation. So it makes sense. Can you just explain to me, for someone who has never seen the show, why the Night King would be so obsessed with uh, Bran there? So the Night King, they said it in the last episode, wants to erase the memory of humankind. And basically his endless winter. I mean, he's from a species of people that was created by this war between children of the forest and the first men. And basically he was created just, you know, kind of like as a metaphor for global warming, created in the Industrial Revolution, created. In but why, why go so, towards Bran instead of the castle? Because he, the basically, he number one, he thought it was basically Over. one. Okay. And Bran was bait, essentially. So I got you. Okay. They knew that Bran knew that he was coming for right. him because he's I come for that. him before. Oh, okay. It's coming. He's come for him before in a previous season, and he's basically used all of his might to get to Bran in a previous season. So Bran is the memory now of taking his role as this little wizard kid. Gotcha. And uh, the memory of all humankind. So the, that's why. Well, why he Mike, wants to get rid of that memory. You're a brave man. Thank you. <laughs> all right, let's move on here. We'll talk about the news of the week and some box office update. It's all one and the same here. We, we had talking about what happened on television that was monumental this weekend. Let's talk about what happened in the cinemas that was monumental this weekend, Mike. So uh, anything come out this week that we wanted to say? Yeah, something kind of you know big deal, big deal. <laughs> and uh, Mike, you're gonna have all the records for us in a minute, but I wanted to update folks on uh, you know the uh, scores. Rotten Tomatoes is at a 96 percent for Avengers Endgame. On 393 reviews, 92% audience score on 20,000 votes. IMDb is up to a 9.1 on 220,000 votes. That's ridiculous. Metascore is at a 77. But here's the cool stuff. Like, there's been a big hashtag all over the place on Twitter and Instagram called Thank You Avengers. Mike, cinema goers gave this an A-plus cinema score. Because by the time they graded it, everyone was in fucking tears. And everybody is just so satisfied with this that they have a hashtag just you know gushing about, thank you Avengers for these 11 so years. So organic and coming out. Yeah, that's yeah, really, that's really, really cool. fun. So just to finish up the box office here real quick, Captain Marvel is going to get number two at the box office for an estimated $9 million for a $1.1 billion cum. Scott Mance put this out there on Twitter. It was the first one that I saw that, that put this together. But how about Brie Larson being in the number one and number two yeah. movies of the week, both billion-dollar-plus properties? That's, that's awesome. That's a good year. Yeah, right. Not a bad couple weeks. <laughs> the Curse of Yarona came in third with 7.5. Breakthrough in fourth with 6.3. And Shazam in fifth with 5.5. But here's the main event. Mike, you have all the records. Well, that, yeah, I, I'm just doing the reading. This was Dave McNary from Variety. Uh, he put this all together here. He's got a great article about everything that uh, Endgame destroyed. Uh, biggest worldwide opening. $1.2 billion worldwide. The previous record holder was Infinity War for 640. We're talking about doubling the previous record insanity insanity insane could I, they have ever in their wildest dreams thought this was going to be this big this big i don't see how like you're going to double basically the the week the one-time records right I, no <laughs> that's we've, that's insane we've had two uh preview episodes where we talked about box office projections and they lowballed it twice yeah hard yeah where they're like all right i'll probably beat the 640 but okay, eight hundred maybe, and even the wildest, you know, projections in terms of all right, what if it tracks like Harry Potter did? Yep. You know, what if it tracks like the Batman series did? All fell short. 
all falls short of 1.2 billion worldwide. Amazing. A fastest to reach a billion dollars worldwide. Obviously, they needed five days, technically four, because part of the five, I think, was Thursday, which sure. is just a preview showing. Uh, Infinity War, again, was the previous record holder. They did it in 11 days. Top North American opening. The domestic debut was $350 million. That was the number that I saw just kept going up and up and up yes. in the projection. We saw, you know, we saw it was like 250 270 300 This isn't going to get passed. Now it's at 350 It blows away Infinity War's previous record for the opening weekend by about $100 million there. Crazy. Uh, top daily totals. North American records for a Friday showing, $156.7 million, which included $60 million in preview shows on Thursdays. It, it had the, the first time ever a movie made $100 million in one day yeah. on a Saturday without including preview shows. So its Friday number was 156, but that's because 60 of it came on Thursday, and then Saturday it did another 100 million. I knew it was going to be big on Thursday when, uh, you know, originally we go to sign up for tickets, and they have like, all right, they have a midnight showing, and then they have every half hour up to midnight, right? You add a one o'clock showing, a yeah. 12:30 showing. Now the theater's just going to be open 24 hours. There were literally like 2 a.m. showings at our AMC. Oh uh, yeah, it, it, on it, Thursday. This is this is un not only unprecedented. And this was a point made by Dan Merle of Screen Junkies fame, mm -hmm. of, of Schmodown fame. Is this ever going to happen again? And I think it's a decent point to make because, yes, we are in 2019 and it's a huge year. I think Star Wars, I don't think it's going to do this. I no, think it might come no close. Maybe. Uh, you know, it could have, it could sniff some of the air. But I don't know if we're ever going to have this type of event again. It's eleven years buildup. Yeah, it truly is, and it, it did every. I mean, more more records here. Top China opening five day launch at three hundred thirty point five million. That's big news, guys. Be huge news. Biggest international debut, highest opening weekend in forty four markets. Biggest domestic weekend total, top market share, uh, IMAX record, biggest three D sale, widest North American release as it released in over forty six hundred theaters, beating out Despicable Me three, which had the uh, the record there forty five hundred plus theaters. Wow. This is all stuff that Avengers. It just crushed the box office it's huge news that the rest of the world is going to see it yeah. in that big of a number you have 350 domestically in our country the country of china you have 330 that's showing you know they have more population than us or it's comparable i don't know numbers but <laughs> the fact that they're going to the movies in waves like that and and to this movie in particular which is will make you fall in love with movies can you imagine how many 11 year olds went to see avengers endgame and oh. fell in love with the cinematic experience ken knapsack brought up a great point when he said he was talking to someone at target remember yeah. you're talking about his friend that manages a target and sure can, can, can you just fathom the toys <laughs> that this movie is going to do and just product placement and stuff like oh my Lord, Disney, I'll tell you what, they know how to make a prompt buck. <laughs> if we were nine years old, or we may do it anyway, we would reenact this entire movie with toys. Of course, it's amazing. For, and now for you have, months. And now you have two Captain Marvels you could sell, one with long hair, one <laughs> yeah, with shorter hair. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah, so uh, you don't need us to tell you, but Avengers Endgame, biggest movie ever. The only question now is, is it going to be the first movie to get to $3 billion? The closest we've ever had, Avatar did $2.7 after its theatrical run. My, That's the, yeah. the high watermark worldwide. My answer is going to be yes. I think this one's going to have legs. I, I, don't, I, I don't know, but I think it will. We're going to get to Do You Care. There's not a movie that's going to come close to biting into its no. box office this week. So that's two straight weeks. So it's going to do massive. It might be over $2 billion by the end of next week. That'd be huge. I would be surprised at that. But I also, if any movie's ever going to do it. I mean, people were worried they weren't going to re-see this because it was three hours. Yeah. 
so we're going to do our deep dive on this film next. We gave you our first impressions show. We're very excited to bring a guest on. He's one of our favorite comedians, Conan O'Brien's show there. He's on that. And knock on wood, he'll be able to join us. So stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of fun with that review. It's going to be special. And we're going to dive deeper yeah. into it, I, I think, with the format. So bottom line is stay tuned. But now we got some Oscar news, Mike. Yeah, this was a huge week all around. <laughs> so let's do an Oscar race update. The Oscar goes. And the winner is. And the Oscar goes. The winner is. Oscar goes to. M M O W's Oscar race update. All right, Oscar race update. As if we didn't have enough to talk about this week, the Academy decided to get together and hold its meeting. Scott Feinberg, friend of the show, and boy, is that (laughs) a fun thing to say. Uh, He was on our show for an interview uh, a while back, right before the Oscars, actually. Best in the business. Best of the business, Oscarologist from The Hollywood Reporter. He covered the heck out of this Netflix versus the Academy situation this past week because with everything going on, this kind of got lost in the shuffle. The Academy voted on whether or not to pass legislation prohibiting Netflix to be viable for Best Picture consideration, for Academy Award consideration. Uh, he did an article earlier in the week, Scott Feinberg did, that it was very. it's very important. It's much more important than you'd think because bottom line is you have 54 members of the Board of Governors that are voting on whether or not to kick Netflix out, mm. put them to the Emmys. You have a voice like Steven Spielberg on the Board of Governors who basically does not want Netflix in there because he wants... Yeah, he staked his claim. We've we've gone over that. There are 12 members of the Board of Governors who have ties to Netflix on their resume and that was something that Feinberg really hashed out and it's really important of Feinberg to lay this out for us because that's a number that's about to grow. So what happened is that Netflix will not... They will not be kicked out of the Academy. There's no legislation passed that will prohibit Netflix from going for Academy Awards. That's the bottom line. And the reason I'm bringing up both articles here is because if you have only 12 out of your 54 with Netflix ties... Right. That That alone wouldn't be enough to to sway. Of course. So you're outnumbered by 42? Am I doing the math? The Academy's not done. The Academy knows, yeah. even with just a, a minority of twelve, Netflix is a, a streaming right. giant. This and is where this is where movies are headed. Right. Yeah. So, and then it goes on. There were three rules, or, or I yes. guess addendums passed. One is basically the status quo is going to be kept as, ter- as ter- in terms of what movies are eligible for Academy consideration. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest rule that people thought might be changed and it might be directly prohibiting Netflix. No, you still only need some kind of debut in an L.A. theater Correct. prior to be- going on streaming in order for, or at least on the day of streaming, in order to be eligible for Academy consideration. Spielberg wanted something like three weeks right. to a month. He was calling for that to change because he wants to preserve the cinematic experience, but he d- did not get his way there yes we had a couple other new rules all animation branch members will choose nominations now and and other academy members may do so as well that is something that's going to be optional with something we're going to have to look into further uh so that's fascinating we're not just going to have animation short filmmakers choosing the animation shorts Mm. So you're going to get a wider swath. You're going to get more popular you short would, films you involved there. You would think there. on the face of it, that's going to... Well, so you would think that dude, you know, having a wider swath of people is going to keep Disney on its heels. It's a, definitely a pro-Disney. Right. I mean, that's what that's the point I'm getting at, is that how many people in the animation field do you think have any experience with Disney? All of them. Every, most of them, yeah. <laughs> so this is, I think this is only going to help Disney in some weird backwards way. Absolutely. 
Uh, we had best foreign film becoming quote best international feature film. Which that's is, cool. I, I'm not, I mean, that's just getting more politically correct. Why not? Yeah, I mean, the word foreign has negative implications, right. and it, it doesn't have to. It does, didn't always have to. I think it's the, it, the independent spirits that started calling it international films. Makes and that's, sense. This is them t- following suit. Good PR yep. makes sense. International for feature film, great. Um, makeup and hairstyling goes from three to five nominees. That's kind of cool too. They should. Yeah, why not? I mean, everything else is five. I'm down with that. It gets more exposure. The the big one obviously is the status quo. Keeping that to be eligible, you only need a debut in a right. theater, and it could be the same day as when you're available on streaming. This is the one that was targeted as an antitrust violation by our beloved White House administration as well. Mm. Netflix is basically giving the Academy what it wants anyway. They even bought a theater in Hollywood, even though they say it's not to show their own films, but that's where this is going to head. Sure. Uh, They're playing by the rules and giving their Oscar contenders the limited theater runs in LA, like they did with Roma last year anyway, so we're finding a middle ground as it is, and that's kind of the reason why, at least for me, I would have been shocked had the Academy turned its back on Netflix, because Netflix is already kind of playing by the Academy's rules, if you think about it, as far as what they want to be considered. True, but at the same time, they want to uh, maintain their exclusivity. And they want to be able to have the exclusivity of their platform be, all right, you can only get our movies here. Yeah, you can come to our theater. And if all of the other theaters in the continental United States bar Netflix movies from, because they don't want to compete with the Netflix giant, they don't want to encourage Netflix films from getting a small release and then and then a, you know and then all that extra money and give them more money. Even if they get blackballed by the rest of the theaters in the country, they have this theater in California. That's why that was such a smart yeah, move oh yeah. by them. No, no question there. Great, great point by you. But look, Netflix is smart enough to know. And you gotta believe the Academy is smart enough to know that we're going streaming. Like, this is the future. We're going going digital. Everything is shaping up towards people never having to leave their homes if they don't want to. Like, we have food delivery options right now where a stranger will go to a restaurant, pick up a meal from your favorite restaurant, and bring it to your house so you can enjoy a restaurant meal from your favorite restaurant at home. We have 75-inch 4K Ultra HD televisions with shots on these games that are right at field level that give you better perspective than any seat you would buy in a stadium right, right now. Why would you leave your house to go see a game live in person? Like, there's, this is just how society's going. We're going to get to this point where movies are in our homes. You can make an argument, is that going to totally dilute or completely eliminate the theater-going experience? I personally don't think it will. Here's the thing. We just went to Avengers Endgame. We saw it in right. leather seats. I saw it in the Dolby cinema theater yeah, it's not to say AMC. that movies aren't going to have to adapt there's nothing i could ever do at home that will be half as as thoroughly enjoyable as what i just experienced right. at that amc theater there's nothing i can do at home that will be more enjoyable than being in the thick of it a giant stadium for a giant game as much as like you yeah. said you can watch it in front of your face and yeah you can have a big crowd but there's nothing like 100,000 a hundred thousand people game. screaming yeah. for your team that deafening noise there's nothing like a concert when you're standing right and people i think are still going to seek that out that being I said agree. i agree that being said i wonder if at the end of the day this is going to be more of a change for television than it is for theater going because let's be honest People have been going to the movies and watching shit on their TVs at home for the last 70 years. That that right. hasn't changed. Nope. You know, so is it going to make things more likely that they want to stay home more often? Maybe, but then again, 
you got the other side of the spectrum. You got Avengers Endgame in theaters, and there's nothing like that. That in and of itself presents a problem for all the mid-budget movies, which is already being targeted by Netflix because right. we, we don't have these mid-budget movies, and we're going to talk about the Fox-Disney merger that's taking its toll on those types of things. Those are in trouble. But as far... That's a whole different conversation because this... The whole plight of Spielberg was that he wanted to save movie-going experiences, right? Yeah. I don't think those things... They're, they're kind of mutually exclusive. I think the theater-going experience is, in a way, separate from streaming. I just think as long as these super blockbusters still happening, right. are still happening, I think the theater-going experience is going to be okay. And, and it, he came out this week kind of walk walk back some of his comments, trying to walk back <laughs> Because he's not comments. dumb either. And he did say that he was targeting his comments more at the exclusive 90-day period to play films rather than the fact that he doesn't like Netflix. He thinks, and he said, he's like, I think you should be able to watch great storytelling on any screen that you own. You, you can watch it on your phone. You go, I think there's, yeah. a, but I just want to preserve the theater-going experience, which is something I think it's we admirable. all agree with. Yeah, that's admirable. And, 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 I wish he said that a couple months right. ago. Well, 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 there's was, a reason he didn't, though, because he, he realized he was getting shit on yeah. in the public. And he also went to, you know, lunch or dinner right. with the head of Netflix, <laughs> the CEO there. So. And, and look, I mean, it's, it's laughable to think that the Academy would make a rule prohibiting streaming in some way when they are about to adopt streaming for their own members because they see it as an easier tool for accessibility for all their members to actually see the nominated films, right? I mean, that would be the ultimate in hypocrisy. So these, there's a way that everyone can live happily here. I think they just need to keep their wits about them, and I think this is a good step towards that. Final little nugget here at the Ariel Awards, which is for Mexico Mexican films. Mm -hmm. We had Roma with 15 nominations. So Roma still being awarded. It's kind of interesting that it happened during this particular yeah. week when Netflix gets a major win uh, in terms of the <laughs> Board of Governors meeting at the Academy. So there you have it. We actually reported on some award show nominations <laughs> this week, Mike. Right, let's let's uh, transition seamlessly here into some audience interaction stuff. We had an MMO ask this week. We had a Six Degrees of MMO this week. So we're going to recap all that. Let's start with Six Degrees of MMO. Lena Headley to Roman Reigns here, Michael. Heedy, yeah. Lena Heedy. Whatever. Cersei Lannister. <laughs> I ain't going to quibble with your pronunciation. The bad guy from Doom. To Ramen. Uh, How dare you? Regnis. <laughs> Stop it. I'm too sick to fight back. All right. Jay at uh, Jay Skipworth says Roman Reigns is related to The Rock. I didn't know that. Who stars cousins. With Jason Statham and Hobbs and Shaw. Statham was in the Expendables movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was made famous starring as the Terminator, which had a spin off TV show, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, starring Lita Headey. Which lasted like three seasons, I think. I don't know anybody who watched it other than Schmave. He was loved it, huh? a huge fan. He still, to this day, complains about it being canceled. I don't know why. Uh, Netflix and Swill, friend of ours, uh, at Netflix and Swill. Lena Headey. Headey? Headey. Headey? Headey. Headey. Uma? Oprah? Uma. Uh, Indira Varma, also in Game of Thrones there, I guess. Idris Elba in Luther. They were there together. Idris Elba was going to be with Roman Reigns and Hobbs and Shaw. A lot of Hobbs and Shaw love Yeah, they for did this three one. here. Uh, Lena Headey also was with Sean Bean in Game of Thrones, who was with Vanessa Kirby in the Frankenstein Chronicles herself with Roman Reigns in Hobbs and Shaw. Bang, bang, boom. And then again, Roman Reigns was in the Jetsons Robo-WrestleMania. No, he the wasn't. second week, we're getting a <laughs> Robo-WrestleMania shout-out from Six Degrees. Oh, my God. Uh, with Danica McKellar, who was on Wonder Years with Fred Savage, who was in Deadpool 2 with Ryan Reynolds. 
Once Upon a Deadpool, I'll point out, not in Deadpool 2, yes. so this might be grounds for disqualification. I'm sorry, none of this matters. Netflix and Swap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Deadpool 2 with Ryan Reynolds, who was in Deadpool with Ed Screen, who was in Game of Thrones with Lena Headey. Uh, great job there with three trains, all for whatever flavor you like more. Yeah, great job, Netflix and Swill. I think we've got a collab coming at some point <laughs> in the next couple months. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Invasion of the Remake said Roman's Reigns looks like a Drago knockoff. That's Rocky IV's Ivan Drago. Is that no, good No, it's not Rocky IV's Ivan Drago. It's your Game of Thrones Drago character. Oh, Drago. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Jason Momoa. Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's a great point. Roman Reigns was out first. How dare you? I didn't know who Roman Reigns was. Drago looks like Roman Reigns. You yeah, Drago knockoff. And I, I thought it was Rocky IV. Yeah, what, and I said, <laughs> like, what are you talking I said, about? And if they remade Rocky IV, Bridget Nielsen would be <laughs> recast as Lena Headey. You confused the hell out of them. <laughs> I hear Drago. I'm Italian. I look like uh, I look like Sylvester Stallone. Stunt double, stunt double, and that's where my brain went. And I didn't know what the hell Roman Reigns looked like until I made the Six Degrees of MMO picture. Well, to Invasion of the Remakes credit, after being thoroughly confused by you, they came back and said, "Is this better?" and gave us another one. Roman Reigns was in Countdown, a cameo directed by John Stockwell, who directed Dark Tide. Dark Tide featured Ralph Brown, who was in the Contractor with. Lena Headey. I know none of these I was things. just going to say, those sound like three made-up movies. <laughs> they could be totally bullshitting us. I have no idea. But to Were be they fair, all remade? after you just put their brain, brain in a blender like that, we'll let it go without double-checking oh, them. I guess I explained the, the, myself somehow. <laughs> depressed moviegoer, a uh, frequent flyer here. Here goes. Roman was once a football player for the Minnesota Vikings. Nice. Minnesota is Prince's home state. Really? Prince directed Under the Cherry Tree, which won Worst Picture at the Razzies. Wow. Meet the Spartans was a Worst Picture nominee at the Razzies in 2008, which was a spoof of 300, starring Lena Headey. Stretching like, I like stretch, that one. stretch Armstrong there, but a lot of fun things, and I learned a lot from that. The Cinema Guys said, uh, wanted to have fun with this one, Lena Headey in 300, Rise of an Empire with Callan Mulvey, who was in BVS, Dawn of Justice. What the hell does BVS mean? What are you today? Dawn of Justice? Batman vs. Superman. Dawn oh, of Justice. Fuck that movie. Alright, with Ben Affleck, who's in Dazed and Confused with Matthew McConaughey, who's in Dark Tower, pew pew, with Idris Elba, who's in Hobbs and Shaw with Roman Reigns. These are fucking, these movies suck, all right? Except for Dazed and Confused, these movies all suck. I don't watch sucking movies. I try not to. You, I am the snobby Oscar wait, critic of the duo. You watch every movie. I watch some movies, and I know, well, I know enough to know that these movies do suck. Uh, the all winner right. this week, coming from Swamp Thing, again, I at some point, he's just trolling me now because I've <laughs> always been stuck saying the name, and I can, I know I murder it every time Wojciech. I apologize. I know it's Wojciech, I think it's Weishor. I think, I'm Polish, I should know this, but at W-O-J-C-I-E-C-H-W-I-E-C-Z-O-R. Roman Reigns was born in Pensacola, Florida. Same yeah. as John Schwab. I don't know this, so... I'm not going. I'm to learning be, a lot yeah. from this episode. Uh, uh, who produced The Hide, which was nominated to BIFA, the British Independent Film Awards. At the same gala, Andrea Arnold received Best Director Award for Fish Tank. Great a movie. A star of this movie was Creepy Michael movie. Fassbender, yes. who played alongside Lena Headey in 300. I know these movies. <laughs> I don't Sorry, Cinema Guys, for getting bad before. But I don't yeah. remember uh, Fassbender being in 300. Fish Tank. Yeah, he's one of the... Uh, 
one of the guys in that. Oh, I, 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 I saw that movie in theaters when it came out. I He's skinnier in that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great one by, by I learned something about Roman Reigns, which I didn't know, and that's a big deal for me. <laughs> yeah, Andrea Arnold. More movies from her, please. Fish Tank was a, that was intense. Uh, Swamp Thing gets all the bragging rights in the world, dominate and king this week of all things Six Degrees. Maybe someday I will correctly pronounce your name, and if I didn't this time, I apologize. <laughs> but uh, you are the winner this week. You have all the bragging rights. Tell your friends about Michael. What is their new challenge next week for Six Degrees? Okay, Maisie Williams, Arya Stark was a big part of last night's episode. That's putting it lightly. So she has to be a part of this. Uh, we have Tribeca Film Fest going on in New York right now. We'll have an update for you on one of those Oscar race updates at the top of our MMOWs coming soon. So Muhammad Ali oh, wow. is in a movie at Tribeca right now called What's My Name? Mm. I think this is a fitting comparison. Yeah. It's also going to be tricky, I think. We have Maisie Williams to Muhammad Ali. Wow. What's my name? I really like that. Good Let's job. Let's go. You. Maisie Williams, Muhammad Ali. Have fun. Yeah, I like that. All right. Maisie Williams, Muhammad Ali. That is your challenge for next week's Six Degrees of MMO. We move on to MMO Asks, which was a derivative of our top five episode we released as our half preview to Endgame because we had two and sure. a half episodes of preview Endgame. Endgame yeah. is just never going to end for <laughs> us, which is ironic based on its title. It did very well, and we really appreciate hearing all your stories. So we got a couple highlights from that Twitter feed today. Uh, basically, in honor of Endgame, what have been the biggest, most anticipated movie events of your lives? That was the question asked of you. I'm going to kind of go movie by movie and take uh, all three. So you, I'll take Jurassic Park, Mike. Story of your and yours. Jurassic Park in the theaters. I was a 14-year-old life Lifelong dinosaur freak. It was kind of a sweet spot. Jurassic Park got a lot of love. I, lot we, of love. I feel bad we had to cut down some of these. We had to cut down some of the six degree entries as well. Sure. So we didn't get to those. Thank you very much for taking part. But Jurassic Park, was a ton of people said it. At the cinema speak, uh, they said they saw it in IMAX. It wasn't the original theatrical run, but finally seeing on the big screen just uh, reinforced that it was one of their multiple, uh, one of their all-time favorite films. Uh, I, tear, I teared up multiple times, they said. In a non-mom happy hour podcast, they said my stepdad took us out of school early to see Jurassic Park the day it dropped in theaters. Ryan L. Terry, friend of the show, came on to guest host Pet mm -hmm. Cemetery. said my parents did the same thing with me. Figure I was, wasn't going to miss anything crucial in <laughs> elementary school, which is true. It's not important, <laughs> elementary school. And then a non-mom happy hour podcast said, over the top of that that's awesome yeah my stepdad growing up studied archaeology and paleontology and i grew up surrounded by facilia and fake skeletons and jurassic park day was like a national holiday to her family uh their stepdad is sam neil yeah they said no i don't believe them their stepdad is sam neil from jurassic park <laughs> this was another one that came up quite a lot and probably if jurassic park wasn't the leader in the clubhouse i would say phantom menace or something star wars related would be mc myers at film objective as far as i'm concerned the reason this kind of hype exists in this form is wow. because of 1999 and the phantom menace that really was the birth of the cinematic universe that's a great point yes uh probably I don't know about you know 99 before Lord a, of the Rings yeah that's yeah. a good argument because good does argument. that count it depends how much you think it count, calls itself back to the original trilogy uh, yeah great job there Ewan McGregor's character would be the biggest link there obviously Kevin Brackett at Kevin R. Brackett friend of ours here definitely the Star Wars prequels Lord of the Rings trilogy he says and the Raimi Spider-Man movies Colby Mack says he may have to agree with that lines overnight and a mile long did yeah to see, the Phantom Menace yeah did you see Phantom Menace on the midnight showing 
when it came out? I wasn't a midnight showing. No. I, that was the story I told in that episode with the lightsabers, my brother fighting my friend. That Tom was your right, right, right. That was a great we saw story. It after school. That yes, day, yeah. definitely go back and listen to our top five episode for that story. That was hilarious. Uh, more Star Wars. Friends Talking Nerdy podcast at FT Nerdy events. Hmm, the Star Wars special editions were event viewing for folks like me that hadn't seen the original in theaters. Those were cool. It was an event to me, but a college in my hometown about 20 years ago and now had a special showing of Apocalypse Now, which was amazing. That's also something I noticed with people pointed out Star Wars is their most anticipated was they always seemed to shoehorn in another picture that kind yeah. of reminded them of that but Star Wars was the kicking off point to their anticipation that was really cool to see AMC has all these special events all the time as well where I can go see The Shining yeah. on a Tuesday night yeah. and it, that, that's a big deal and it's, it's really wonderful and Mr. Spielberg I'm going to the movies <laughs> the Sonic Society at Sonic Society absolutely the return of the Jedi must be number one followed mm. quickly by Star Trek number three The Search for Spock Cool. Neither were as good as the movies previously, but were desperately waited for. After that, really, the only movies I can think of were Lord of the Rings 2 and 3. Amen. Were you more excited for The Phantom Menace or Lord of the Rings 2 or 3? Lord of the Rings 2. Yeah. <laughs> good God. I answered that very quickly. Yes. <laughs> Lord of the Rings 2! <laughs> Mike, a uh, couple movies I'll take here. Bad Boys 2, in-session film. Don't you dare badmouth the masterpiece that is Bad Boys 2. I forget where that came in on the thread, but that was funny. Donnie Darko, Gavin Dennett. I love Donnie Darko at Gavin Dennett. Said uh, 2001 was phenomenal filmmaking. It's funny. So many film buffs, buffs would say uh, the opening day of blockbusters. But for me, I think the impact uh, of in indie film type titans such as Donnie Darko, Me and Everyone I Know, Memento, Wonderland, Blair Witch, 21 Grams. Those are all movies in my sweet spot of indie filmmaking, movie going. Uh, so I, I would agree yeah, I with that. you were like on the cusp. You must have been in deep in high school, right? Deep Did in high school that? for those. Yeah. And then this was awesome. At film underscore lust, film lust. Superman 1978. This is something I wanted out of this thread. Yeah. Give me a movies where, all right, he's a little older than us. Mm. So he said Superman the movie in 1978, simpler times and the idea of me at nine years old being able to see superman flying in a realistic way was way more than i can handle saw it at the old kilburn state cinema and it still remains one of my favorite movie going experiences 41 years later that's, that's terrific that's an amazing story and that's one of the the highlights of doing this is not only having you share your history and your love of film with us but also the tie-ins that you have these nostalgic memories these times that you were able to spend with your loved ones a lot of people talking about you know like non mom said talking mm -hmm. about how a stepdad took her out of school and all that stuff is really really heartwarming it really is it's the whole reason we do this type of things uh now we'll go from something heartwarming to something ridiculous <laughs> that's right up my alley bad reception podcast mike at bad reception pod freddy versus jason nice i'm not the only one as a huge <laughs> horror geek after years and years of rumors and false starts i remember when we got this teaser poster for freddy versus jason i was working at the theater at the time and being so psyched that it was really happening God damn yes I got you Mike Go listen to our episode Freddy vs. Jason Was one of my five And most anticipated Yes sir Some other movies We'll rip through real quick Glenn McGregor said Return of the King I would agree I was really hyped for that Alex Morrison said The Adventures of Tintin And The Hobbit oh. An Unexpected Journey They were hyped for the yeah. The new Hobbit series Cocktail Party Massacre Said something really, I love this one Really fun At CPM Horror Pod I saw Fritz Lang Double feature Of Metropolis And M 
once, and that was so rad. Uh, I cool. can't imagine seeing those on a big screen. That must be a whole different type of experience, and again, why the movie theater-going experience has, is is quite invaluable. So I'm on your side, Mr. Spielberg. At Film Toilet, Film Toilet, they, they write a lot of cool stuff. My most anticipated film was definitely the recent The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. So that's all great that they, after an odyssey, and it goes on and on, of 30-something years or 50-something years, whatever it is, that movie finally came out. we got to see that. Have you taken the dive yet? Not not yet. I'm going to buy it. I think i got to buy it. It's because it's not. it didn't come on Netflix. I told people it was coming on Netflix a while ago. It just came to VOD, theaters and VOD. Well, they should get a little money back from it after... Two yeah. decades of production. Two Girls on a Bench, great podcast there. Yep. Seeing E.T. in a drive-in as kids. That's that's exactly Have you ever been to a drive-in? No. We have one in Connecticut. I've never Do we been really? to it. Yeah, it's right by ECSU. Right, so I was go. you know, going to UConn. I thought I would have gotten there once, but I didn't because I'm a bad person. Six Degrees of MMO champ Swamp Thing, boy, boy chick there, said, uh, The Last Family, a tragic and at the same time fascinating story of my favorite painter. Go ahead. Vidislaw... <laughs> Beksinski. That's not bad. And his son, Tomasz, uh, a music journalist and translator. So an independent Polish film there. I Introducing guess. us to Sonic. That's not anything I had heard of before, but I'll definitely be checking that out. And for ABQ White Walker coming up, I would have thought we would have had more answers for this one. Matrix Reloaded, which yeah, is a huge deal right. after the Matrix. Exactly. I would have thought we more people would have been, I was psyched out of my mind to see that, and then let down vehemently. Yeah. <laughs> now, to, speaking of let die, down, uh, Midnight Myth Podcast said, unforgettable movie moment was Toy Story. I was five. I remember showing up to the theater, getting out of my car, and seeing another five-year-old kid walking with his dad and shouting to the parking lot like a town crier, Toy Story sold out. <laughs> <laughs> that it did a big cry Come! emoji. Cry emoji. Uh, Santiago says it's Detective P- Pikachu. I've this been is waiting an interesting one. for Pokemon live action for 21 years. And finally, two more. Sammy1973 says, I can honestly say it's Avengers Endgame. I'm the most excited for that one. I'm 44 years old. That's great. Uh, and then the Gorilla Brain podcast said the Avengers-thon before Avengers in theaters. So they actually did the dive where they watched all the Avengers. God bless you this for past being able week. to sit in a theater for that long. If that's you awesome. Uh, that, that's I mean, this is incredible. Thank you all so much for sharing with us. And again, those of you that that replied, we didn't get to our apologies, but we did read every single entry we got, and they were truly, truly heartwarming. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Uh, keep sending them in. We'll keep trying to get to as many as we can and read them off on MMO Weekly, and we really appreciate it. Uh, let's move forward and talk about some things we don't or do care about. Do You Care segment. This is where we take news stories of the week and we ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? We start every Do You Care segment off with the upcoming releases for this week. Uh, Mike, we said earlier on, this week's releases don't have much in terms of challenging Endgame. Right. Uh, El Chicano, The Intruder, Longshot, and Ugly Dolls are all releasing nationwide this week. Do we care about any of those? I do not care about Dennis Quaid's The Intruder. It doesn't look great. Uh, I do not care about El Chicano, even though I'm, I'm intrigued by the premise George Lopez has a bit part in that I do care about Ugly Dolls because I picked it <laughs> for best animated feature nomination during our 100% accurate Oscar predictions and I'm an idiot mm. and I hope I'm wrong because I actually like other movies more that have already <laughs> seen animated films but I also care about Longshot Charlize Theron Seth Rogen I do too. Rogen it looks funny it's a Notting Hill pretty woman kind of thing I will laugh at this trailer 
the more I watch it. So it looks great. They even did a little promo where Seth Rogen just talks at you. Hey, I know you're going to see Avengers a lot, but basically we do some funny shit in long shot. And he made me laugh like five times in this goofy little promo. It was the best one of those I've seen before Avengers last time I saw it. So. Uh, that's pretty cool. I, yeah, I would say of those, I think long shot is probably the one I care most about. I am a sucker for Seth Rogen, though. Yeah. He's, even though he, he trend on like Adam Sandler and released some bad stuff, I'll still stand by him. Very true. I, I love him, too. It, bottom line, we grew up lo- right. in college, our college That's years, our loving spots. Seth Rogen movies. Yep. So, Mike, Fox movies now getting axed at Disney. This is a big article in the Hollywood Reporter. A lot of those in pre-production getting axed. axed. This is not a surprise, but do you care? I mean, this, yeah, if you are following cinema at all, you have to care about this. This is yeah. terrifying because this is exactly what we thought was going to happen right. when Disney became this huge conglomerate and they're absorbing studios. They're going to cut out jobs. They're going to cut out opportunities. They put the axe on one of these movies that was supposed to have a $100 million plus budget, and the reason they put the axe on it was because it wasn't a franchise? Right. Are you fucking kidding me? So what does that mean now? Major studios aren't going to be funding films that aren't franchises or aren't franchise potential? Mouse Guard. People yeah. should... Mouse Guard, that was a movie. Thank you very much. People should be terrified terrified of this this is a big deal it here's the thing i agree that it's not great i would rather have more studios doing different things and we find more jordan peels and us's and get outs that way at the same time it totally makes sense from disney's point of view they they're basically going for the tentpole model they're basically saying all right for or for our theater going experiences we're going to put 200 million dollars into a movie and hope to make a billion with it and that's what I'm going not for. saying it doesn't make sense for Disney. You know, that's a great point. If you're taking if you're taking the conglomerate side, yeah, certainly if you're looking out for the the corporation, yeah, let, let it makes Netflix sense. let maybe we'll do some of this stuff on Disney Plus, but they're not looking to do mid budget. But movies. then again, well, a hundred and some odd million isn't a mid budget. First of all, well, Disney wants wants Fox for Alien. They want Fox for X Men. They want. Fox I'm not for, saying I'm not saying you're those, wrong. Right? I'm just saying the more they uh, something like Disney sucks up other yeah. studios, right? That means there's less studios that can do a hundred million, take a chance on a hundred million dollar picture. And if the big conglomerate isn't going to do it, that's a it's big problem. Done. That's a big problem. It's a problem. And it's definitely, it's taken out that new bid, yeah. bigger budget movie uh, that could be original. Which is already, be, and the mid-budget ones are already being taken out by Netflix. So we, there's cause for concern in the movie uh, land right now. Uh, Mike, number three story, Game of Thrones. Vegas odds. I am the degenerate here, but are you going to engage in this type of debauchery? I did not. The The furthest I went was, and I, I read through this and I loved a lot of the odds. Of who's going to win the Kagane K- Bowl? Who's going to do that? Who's going to die here? Who's going to die there? A lot of fun things to bet upon. I am not going to engage in the, this debauchery because uh, I, I don't have any money but also because uh, i you know i it's never stop me res- i can't restrain myself but uh it's never stop me yeah. i did enjoy reading through that and i was intrigued so look at it's a variety article uh and have fun with it but no i don't care mike peter farrelly's next movie uh, is based on the book the best beer run ever a true story of friendship stronger than war this book was written by joanna malloy uh, and John Chickie Donahue. It's based on the true story of Donahue, who left New York in 1967 as a journalist to track down and share a few beers with his childhood childhood buddies in the Army while they're fighting in Vietnam. This seems like an Oscar grab again. Yeah, uh, it, it's got an interesting premise. It's certainly something that tugs at the heartstrings. It's certainly a, a relatable enough idea uh, how you go out of your way to help your friends. I just hope there's no black people in it that white people can show the ways of the world to. Oh, God. So bottom line is Peter Farrelly, it's cool that he's a comedy director. Yes. 
and that who basically hit rock bottom, right? I mean, with Three Stooges. I mean, he hit rock bottom. Yeah. And it's cool that he's out of his lane, right? You've made that argument Yes, before. I love that. But bottom line is you're not. It's got to be better than skeptical. Than it's got to be better than, you, you kind of take, you, you don't have to like, you know, drastically change things, but you have to at least point out or accept that you've listened to the criticism. Right. I think that's a, that'd be important to show. Uh, Mike, Sigourney Weaver, this alien production of this high school production of Alien will not die, and it is a great story and a great uh, cleanser here. Sigourney Weaver shows up at the high school production of Alien. I am representing all of the Alien fans all over the universe who think what you're doing is so cool. <laughs> the actress told the New Jersey high school students backstage after their Friday encore performance, can you imagine... The, the, just never mind the kids. Forget the kids. Can you imagine <laughs> Mike, the teacher? Mike and Oscar, forget the kids. <laughs> forget the kids. Can you imagine the, the drama teacher who it's actually awesome. put this yeah. thing together? Probably. Maybe it was the kids' idea, but let's let them take credit for a minute. <laughs> I'm just imagining myself being involved in this production and feeling. Sigourney! Yeah, the greatest moment of pride of my life. That's the Gordy Weaver there, right? Uh, yes, this is an incredible story. I don't know if they had taken the money. I we, we talked about this once before. Ridley Scott had said, had reached out to this production and said he was going to put money into it right. to make sure it keeps happening. I don't know if that had happened yet, but to see that the people attached to the original Alien are so involved in this now, th this is an amazing story. Lexi Perez at the Hollywood Reporter has got a great article. What a fun read. And what a, yeah, what a heartwarming story, yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's so great for the kids and it's so great for the teachers as well. <laughs> that is Do You Kill? Here, Mike, we got some trailer thoughts. Let's end on some trailer thoughts. Trailer thoughts. All right, four trailers we'll wrap up on here quick. Uh, Gemini Man was first. This sucks. Ridiculous <laughs> premise, right? This sucks. Clone of the This <laughs> sucks. Will Smith, stop making these movies. Stop it. You're a good actor. You don't need to do this to yourself. It looks it looks bad. It looks awful. Clone of the assassin to kill the assassin. <laughs> what the hell? It's Looper with that storyline when old Arnold fought young Arnold in that Terminator movie. That's yeah. what this movie is. It's been done before. And Stop it. Ang Lee, what are you doing? Stop it, all of you. <laughs> Don't do this to yourselves. I will say the action looks kind of cool and the CGI is solid. I will say I that. I guess. I mean, are you going to this because it's an action movie? I really don't want to go to yeah. this. I, I hope it doesn't get good. I hope it's better than this. Like, I hope I'm dead wrong. I hope I can play this in a drop in a couple months and make fun of myself for how wrong I was. Because sure. I love Ang Lee. I like Will Smith. And I enjoy making fun of you. <laughs> All these are very important tent poles of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. But stop <laughs> it. Don't do these things. So on that note, we also watched Godzilla, King of the Monsters. This looks good. A new trailer. And this looks I can't good. believe, Mike, yeah, me that I'm so in for this movie. The What a Wonderful World song. We got these spectacular visuals and the, the art artistic uh, merit of If them. I were to say to you a decade ago, Godzilla's we're remaking Godzilla and King Kong. We're remaking monster movies. Right. Uh, Titan movies. You would say why? Right, I mean, right. and you would you would just expect the worst because Mike, of how they've been treated. This used to be a guy in a suit stepping on toy cars. <laughs> That's what this used to be, and I used to enjoy that. But now we have all the power that we we yeah. can make visually, right, on screen. It really looks. Amazing. I saw this before Avengers Endgame, and I was blown away. My seat was rumbling behind me every time a monster came out of the earth. Taking the words out of my mouth, it, lo it looked infinitely better than something. 
a Godzilla sequel in 2019 should have any right to look. I agree. So it's going to be batshit nonsense, but it's going to be fun and visually awe-inspiring. I don't think anyone isn't in. I'm in. I'm in. Brightburn, trailer two. This is the basically a kid who turns into a supervillain. It's kind of a high-concept thing. It is a high-concept thing. I'm excited for it. It's James, a horror film. Yeah, James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy yep. fame there, produced this movie. Couple uh, young guys made it, and uh, we're going to review this. I, we hope, we think, with a special guest uh, later in May. I'm shouting out a lot of promises this episode. Yeah, you we are. We're not, not good at keeping them. So. so who knows? But right now, it's on the schedule. We, people have said yes, is what we're saying. People have said yes, yes. and made tentative right. we, agreements. We've made we've made dates with these people. Agreements but in principle. Things have a tendency to fall through because life happens, and it's no one's fault. So we don't want to give away who they are yet. But yes, the whole reason we're talking about Brightburn right now is yes, it has a second trailer. But we do have a special guest, a very special guest on tap that we are very excited to host and review this movie for. Are you excited for this movie? So here's the thing. After the first trailer, I kind of liked it. This trailer, I'm not in love with. And I'll be honest with you. I love the the high concept nature of it. I'm excited to review this movie. Uh, James Gunn, uh, I love his films. It, I what love if his it was Guardians more films. on the nose and wasn't a superhero movie, but it was a bully turning a kid into a school shooter movie? Would it have more of an impact on it? Oh, God. I mean, oh, well, that's, well, what, that's, that's what, what you think, the, think about. That's well, that's, what what the, that's the analogy, right? Yeah. I mean, that's... It's dealing with some heavy-ass yeah. subject matter. I don't know if they're going to pull it off. Uh, it it's, remains to be seen. It's certainly high, high concept. I'm excited for it still, even after seeing the second trailer. The final trailer we'll wrap up with here was shown before Avengers Endgame, 21 cool. Bridges. It's another, it's Chadwick Boseman's in it. It's another Russo Brothers film. Produced These it. are both positives. Yeah. You don't seem to be high on this. I'm not a fan of the dialogue in this trailer because it's, like, really bad. It's just spitting the plot out at us. Stephen James... Stefan James, excuse me, from If Bill Street Could Talk. Mm-hmm. You have Chadwick Boseman from Black Panther and a, and a lot of good movies. Uh, it looks like these two guys are going to basically come to an agreement and help each other by the end of it. I know it's going to happen. <laughs> I know it's going to happen. I think it looks kind of intriguing. It's an interesting hey, concept. The one cool shot was like Chadwick Boseman sliding onto that subway. Like, because he know the guy slips onto the subway. Right. I slide. He basically electric slides and it steps sideways, side lunge onto the subway and still has his gun drawn. And that was cool. Look, I'll be that honest. Cool. I usually have more input on these trailers because we watch them right before we record the session. I didn't see this one again. I The only time I did see it was before Endgame. And I was so excited to get into Endgame that I may have given this one a little more credit than it's worth. <laughs> okay. But I remember seeing this and being like, oh, that looks cool. But Look, I could be wrong. It's preposterous that they're going to close down all 21 bridges. They're, yeah, they're gonna, isn't that a crazy idea? <laughs> they're going to close. They're going to have the subways loop just to catch two two criminals. I did just watch the siege this week too, so I'm all in for uh, <laughs> right. for things that happen. Uh, that old 1998 movie with Denzel. The re- Denzel yeah. should have every Academy Award. Oh. He makes every movie infinitely more important. If it's the siege meets uh, what was that other Denzel movie? Pelham taking Pelham one two three. Oh yeah, and I'm in. Yeah, all right. I thought you were going to say uh, inside man but yeah that's good if it's yeah. a combination of those three movies i am so in <laughs> and we trust the russo brothers right now they're hot they're on fire i don't and love the and yeah i mean the marketing for both those last two movies james gunn of guardians of the galaxy mcu oh my god chadwick boseman and the russo brothers of avengers that's like most of the marketing for this those two trailers disney <laughs> it's amazing nobody hurt i don't want to say nobody heard of the russo brothers or james gunn but they were not 
as well known and established household names (laughs) now if ever ever there were absolutely that is your week that is the hollywood week my god what a week it was sorry we kind of went through quickly at the end there but there was a ton to get through this week in no short small part because of you dear listener we thank you for your input if we did not get to you we do want to hear from you don't forget to reach out for our six degrees challenge this week don't forget to be on the lookout for any mmo ask questions uh we want to hear from you as always you can reach out to us we are mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we're available everywhere you do hear podcasts tune in stitcher soundcloud itunes spotify google play etc etc uh thank you for bearing with us through my illness and uh we're coming out on tuesday this week a mike mike and oscar monday show on a tuesday i know that's not normal but we thank you for bearing with us stay tuned we do have our avengers deep dive coming out thursday with a special guest and unless something drastically goes wrong and then I'll we'll just be impersonate him more of my sick voice yeah <laughs> uh and, and, but otherwise uh we thank you michael Get these people started off on a Tuesday right foot uh, with some words of wisdom here. We had two cinematic experiences unlike anything we've ever experienced. One at the movie theater, mm-hmm. one at, at home in front of our TVs. You can have them everywhere. It's all about great storytellers. Spielberg, I know you're worried. I, I, I We love you, and I know you've been a kind of a dick lately, and we've <laughs> given you shit about it. But bottom line is, we want both things to work. Yes, and we do. You know, if we need both things If to work. he sees in the future that... Uh, you know, cinemas are going to die and we're going to come to a crisis. And basically the radio industry, the way podcasting is now, and everybody just makes a movie. Does that does that happen with movie going late, later on? And everybody can make a movie with their iPhones to, to put on their screens at home and movie going the same way radio stations are going belly up. You know, and we, we all can make a podcast now. Is that Does that happen to the movie industry? Uh, is Spielberg right? I don't know. Bottom line is right now we got a great theater going experience we have a great television at home watching experience with game of thrones and avengers endgame so thank you avengers thank you Ari Stark. yeah (laughs) (laughs) and disney stop cowering out you have the money they take some losses keep doing some mid-budget higher budget stuff that you know is not going to work i hope they do the right thing yeah a little bit we're we're in trouble here with the the mid-budget high budget stuff um Guys, when reality sucks, come watch movies with us. Thank you for bearing with us this week. We will see you in a couple days. Uh, Have a good week. See you.